Hello and welcome to Bread for Life podcast. This is your host, Daniel Velasquez. I'm excited and thankful to connect with you all this uh, Monday evening. I am looking forward to discussing uh, more principles. But as I was uh, listening to uh, my previous podcast, I realized that at times I'm giving you all uh, a lot of information really to process and and uh, and speaking about how different concepts can connect. Um, and so uh, I will look to be a little bit more pointed uh, with my delivery and uh, maybe a little more structured as well. Um, but what I recommend is you take notes as well so uh, you can review some of these concepts if it's, it is a lot of information. And in this way, you can also um, maybe just pause and digest the information so you can uh, integrate it into your life a little bit better. So uh, I want to talk about decision making. That's something that I uh, noticed that I spoke about I spoke about before. And I said that the quality of the decisions makes the quality of your life and uh, the reason where, uh, of where you are and who you are today and um, in life and what you have. A lot of it is due to, I would say, potentially most of it, um, the decisions that you've made. So I want to help you make better decisions and give you a framework in order to do so. Now, um, I don't think that um, this should be be taken as, um, you know, you need to do all of these things to make every single decisions because we make tons of decisions every day. But I think it's more to uh, be able to have tools in your tool belt to uh, approach different decisions at times. And um, and ultimately, you're already making so many decisions, So, which I think is, is good in life. If, if you're not making decisions, then, then you need to change that, right? You should have um, that responsibility in your life more often to make decisions. Um, so it's not necessarily a bad thing. And what I've learned, um, from some people that have studied this is that you don't need to have all the, all the information to make a decision, right? You just need to have enough information to make an educated decision and then decide and then commit to, uh, what it is that you're doing. And as we've just spoke about last time, um, you're going to get feedback, right? After you you commit to something, you go forward, um, and you're gonna see if perhaps you made a mistake, or maybe you made the right decision, or or maybe a mix of both. But overall, what this does is it helps you grow, it helps you learn, um, and the more you learn, the more successes you'll eventually have, which will eventually push you to grow further. And this growth that you are pushed onto will uh, make you have to make more decisions and oftentimes more mistakes, which again, keeps you learning and it repeats the cycle. So um, it's in the beginning, it might be harder to make the right decisions, but overall, the more decisions you make and as you train yourself, you can get into the habit of making better decisions in life. And um, like I said, uh, the goal here is more to do analysis versus paralysis. Um, I think most successful people at times, they they are willing to um, make decisions quickly. Um, you know, the most successful people in life are either business people who don't have always all the insight. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty, and they have to make decisions and, and go with it. Or uh, perhaps investment uh, people who trade in stocks. Um, and if, you, if when you're trading stocks you don't have all the information and you don't really need to know, but you do need to know what you're doing. You just need enough information. 
and then take take the action right and commit otherwise you're, you're gonna miss out on opportunities and ultimately it's also more about timing in the long term but i'm going to give you 10 different um tools to be able to to make better decisions and and kind of a framework um first how to think about about it and and um you know how to move in the right direction and then um knowing kind of how to decide and and whatnot so the first point um is make make a bad habit inventory and inventory and we've talked about bad habits your habits before but this one is just so you can start to to guide yourself into deciding what are those key areas that you can improve in your life so i want you to to make three columns and the first column a is going to be bad habits the second column is going to be impact the impact of this bad habit the third column is going to be the the good habit that you're going to replace it with and then the fourth column is going to be the impact of doing the good habit and also your reason for why you want to um, do this good habit so um, if you if you're not sure if a, if a habit can be bad or has been bad just ask yourself if it's led you to make decisions that you would have preferred to not have made um, and therefore find a better habit to replace it with an example of this could be people pleasing perhaps that's a bad habit that you have and you've neglected your needs and so your new habit should be to take care of what you need to get done yourself first and perhaps taking care of yourself um, another example is perfectionism if you are an individual that just works way too way too long on one thing to just make sure that it's perfect it could get to the point where you're starting to take away from other important areas in life and so you need to um, be cautious of this as well and and uh, see how you can improve in that the second tip to um, improve your decision making is think about the decision so uh, a think about who makes the decision right is this something that you're going to decide on your own and you need to find out if it's truly your decision because otherwise you might want to be a little bit more cautious with it but if it is your decision then you know you can decide obviously um, if it's a decision that you need input from others or if it's a decision that you need to make jointly with other people uh, perhaps there's also a category that you can delegate the decision so if it's if it's not a super important decision um, then you you may be willing to delegate that and save yourself some time there is a thing called decision fatigue and similar to um, our willpower battery um, we have a decision making battery and um, there's actually been studies done that um, if you're an inmate and you face a judge to see if they give you parole if you go in the morning when they're fresh it's more likely that you'll actually get parole granted versus if you go after they've seen a bunch of inmates so unfortunately it's just a reality um, and we need to be mindful of that so and also if, you, if if it's a joint decision you need to be clear about everybody's role in the decision-making process 
The second thing to think about is what are you deciding? Because oftentimes there can be decision drift where you start to decide on things outside of the scope of where the original decision was intended to be made and what it was meant to accomplish. For example, um, you're in a, in a company meeting and you're deciding whether you're going to build a new manufacturing plant and then you start arguments about where you're going to build a plant, which is really a different decision and it requires different data. Uh, you first need to decide whether you are going to build the, the manufacturing plant in the first place. And then the third thing is how will you decide? So C, how will you decide? And what this means is what inputs are needed to enable the output of this decision. So you may be um, kind of like me willing to take decisions based on your gut feeling, but this just may not be ideal. So you might want to test the market or you might want to get some expert input. And the key here is to work diligently to provide what is needed for the best quality decision to be made. So if you keep in mind who's making the decision, the what is really the what's being decided and how you're going about it, it'll be um, it'll it'll make it better to give you framework. The third point to decision making is check yourself for bias. So Gardner Research found that 60 percent of employees cherry pick or selectively choose data to support the decision that they want to make already. Um, so you can see how there's bias there and 50 percent make the decision and then seek data afterwards to support it, which is called confirmation bias. And just because there's so much bias, unfortunately, that's again, as we were discussing in the previous podcast, we almost just want to um, think that what we have and, and what we think is the right thing and then justify that. And we don't want to maybe change our perspective. It happens everywhere. So we want to mitigate that as much as possible. And therefore, we want to invite people to challenge our, our point of view. Another thing that we can do is accept inevitabilities, so things that are inevitable sooner, um, kind of like sunk costs, where um, maybe you know you've already spent a bunch of resources, money, time, and effort into something, and it's already unrecover unrecoverable. But because our bias is to want to protect those things, and we don't want to lose, we might keep on pushing for something to happen when. Um, really our job is to make the best decision with the current data and the current circumstances. And oftentimes it's just to let that go. Um, another bias is availability bias, which is when we make the decision with information that is readily available versus seeking the best information to guide your decision or at least gathering further data. And then finally loss aversion, which we talked about, which is the tendency to protect against loss more than seeking to gain. Number four is knowing when to decide. And you can use a decision timetable, which is basically just two columns, and to decide whether um, to, this will help you take agency for when you decide and when you don't. And so the first column A um, is you decide, yes, decide when, and B is don't decide when. And for example, uh, decide when A, energy is highest, like we said, for example, in the morning, is proven that we might make better decisions, and B, which is when not to decide is when you are exhausted after you've been making decisions all day. The second one is another example is decide when A, you've taken time to reflect, B, when you're emotional. So uh, best decision makers are aware of their emotions and they don't let them hijack the decision, their decision making process. And it is okay to have your feeling or your heart as a tiebreaker, how you feel about something. 
um, to make the ultimate call, but you do want to he- keep your health balanced and, and ultimately um, not be emotional, but reflect upon your decisions, try to be objective. Um, last example, or actually no, I have another one, but you do want to decide when A, your focus, and you don't want to decide when B, your multitasking. Focus decisions um, means that you're going to be intentional, means that you don't have distractions going on. And good decisions come from intentionality as much as they come from intelligence. And then last example, A, you do want to decide when you add a unique perspective to the decision. And B, when you can delegate, you don't want to decide. So if others can make the decision uh, or if it's not that important, just delegate it. Uh, another tip here is don't waste time deciding on something that it's already past due. Um, it's just you know, wasting energy. Don't spend time on it. If, if you need to move on, just, just move on. I think this is something that we can all get cut up in at times and it's just not helpful. Um, number five, collect data wisely. So the Kellogg School of Management research shows that the typical meeting, the only three people do 70% of the talking. And what this does is that it makes it hard to get diversity of input for decision making, which, um, it also affects introverts. You know, if there's introverts, they're likely not going to want to speak over somebody else. And so what we want to do is want to, A, force a fresh perspective where we want um, everybody to participate and, and maybe even designate it so that everybody can give their perspective. B, we want to be aware of the danger of familiarity because it can take away objectivity. We want to be curious but not complacent. And C, you want to revisit your values. Why? Because your values can turn your data into good decisions. So we did speak about values before and how that is a compass to make decisions in your life. Number six, analyze data critically. So if you don't, you otherwise you may be misguided by the data to make the wrong decision. So you want to use your critical analysis. And what this means is A, be mindful of how data is presented to you. Remember that every piece of information you receive from someone else has likely been structured, represented, or filtered in a way to influence your opinion. This is called framing bias, and it's just—it's not about the information that's presented; it's the way that the information is presented. For example, they could—you know—you could be looking at a company and they—they they, to acquire, and they say, "Hey, well, our sales have been growing like like a lot recently," and it could just be true for that quarter, but overall, they might be declining. So uh, B, the second thing you want to do is, is listen carefully to what is being said and not said. Uh, actively listen when people are sharing data and their point of view and ask lots of questions. So also you don't get swayed and don't get swayed by emotions. Um, an example of this could be, say you're going to buy a car and you know they're telling you about the great gas mileage on it, but maybe they're not talking about the safety ratings. And that's something that you want to ask about. So make your responsibility to to, uh, to ask those questions as well. Um, C, the third thing you can do is analyze versus paralyze. Um, and in order to, to not be paralyzed, um, you want to look for patterns or discrepancies in the data. If it's like a big strategic decision, like investing in a startup, um, you can equip yourself with the best data to make the call. Um, but, you know, just take the time to analyze only up until before you can miss the opportunity and like we said in the beginning might as well just you know if you feel like you have the data and and it looks good and 
um, perhaps that was your default decision up front and you didn't find any influential data to say otherwise, then go for it. Or maybe it's the opposite. You're like, hey, no, I didn't want to invest and you didn't find any influential data to make you want to invest, then you know, go with that. Um, and ultimately you'll learn by making the decision ultimately if it was a good or bad decision down the line, but just make the decision and commit. Uh, number seven, explore a better third option. So say when you have two options, you go into the comparison mode, which is good, but really great decision makers will go further. So A, they'll give objective weight to the pros and to the cons. And so it's not just like a list of like a K plus and they're all the same and minuses and they're all the same. Um, think about how each one of those areas, um, how important it is to that particular decision, give it a specific weight as objectively as possible. And then you can calculate, um, do that uh, pros and cons comparison better. Um, also to sort of a, a, a third option that could be, uh, that can minimize the trade-offs of the other two options. So there could be an in the middle or just a third option that, that could also be qualified as a good, as an even better option. Number eight, you want to increase your confidence. So when we were discussing about, um, you know, committing, if it's like a big decision, you can use testing. Um, but ultimately these are the three keywords to remember is debate, decide, and commit. Um, it's easy to not commit if you are not sure about the decision. So this is where you want to use the test. This test is, I'm going to break it down. Basically it's four parts. So the first part is you want to uh, think about it as uh, timeframes, short, midterm, and long-term timeframes. So you can think about, Hey, how am I going to feel about this in 15 minutes in 15 hours or in 15 months, uh, perhaps even 15 years, uh, pass the second, sorry, the second area is, uh, look at the past, look at the historical data. So you want to test against similar decisions that have happened in similar scenarios and see what the outcomes were. So you can apply to the current decision making. The third area is feasibility, which means what must be true for this decision to be a good decision. For example, you go and you test a new product out in the market and you get poor results and you realize that you need to fix some things in the marketing, but maybe you realize that it's not, it's, it's the branding, it's the pricing, even your target market might be off and it's just too much too fast that you might need to, to, uh, to fix, to make it worthwhile. So you decide to not go forward with it. Um, so think about what are the musts that this decision must satisfy for it to be a good one. And then last, the fourth area is alignment. Make sure that they align with, uh, your business models, your strategy, your vision, um, say for example, and also your values. Um, so say for example, there's an opportunity to bring in a, a new big client but you realize that in order for you to commit to this client, you're going to have to let go of other clients that you've had before, uh, smaller clients for a long time that um, rely on you um, to have their business running optimally. Um, and so ultimately you say, hey, like this is aligned with my strategy and my vision. I do want to grow and, you know, I, I can adapt my business model to support this, but because it's going to take all of my resources and I want to ultimately help those other clients that I have. Um, and so it's not aligned with my values. I'm, I'm going to say no to this big client. So those are the four areas, um, timeframes, the past or the historical data, the feasibility of it and the alignment of it. 
and that's in order to help you make um, hard decisions or you know bigger decisions. Number nine, you, you want to be disciplined in, in your decision making process when you're in meetings. So everybody needs to have a role uh, in the decision making process. There's multiple models that you can look up. Uh, there is the Dare framework which uh, is by McKinsey, and there's different roles that are assigned. So there's D, the decider, who is the person, somebody who gets a vote in the process, so they get to to actually make, they're part of, the, of making the decision, a decision maker. Uh, the A is advisor, which has a voice in the decision and input for it, but um, ultimately they don't have a vote. There's R, the recommender, whose job is to identify options and share all the pros and cons of, and provide data and analysis and uh, make recommendations. And then there's the executor, who is the person who carries out or implements the decision. And this person needs to ask questions to make sure that they understand the decision fully, the implications of it, and then can also inform all the different stakeholders appropriately uh, and accordingly to, to be able to implement the decision. The second thing you can do is to control the discussion flow. So B, control the discussion flow, which is to assign someone to keep the meeting moving. Um, and just making sure that everybody gets a chance to, to speak um, and all the options or uh, points of view are, are on the table. So somebody who, who manages that decision um, or that discussion to make the best decision. And what this does also is uh, you're avoiding Decision by default versus by debate. You want to have debate instead of um, just by default. The third thing you can do is to send the decision, uh, send the agendas to to the meeting uh, where you're going to be making the decision in advance, in order for people to have time to think about um, what is being decided on and develop a clear point of view to bring to the meeting. And the thing to remember here is that sharp discussions create sharp decisions. And last, number 10, you want to evolve your predictive ability. So we even discussed, uh, I think might have been the last podcast, how there's always going to be, you know, different situations in, in life um, that are going to be challenging or there's going to be adversity at times. And I think if we were to prepare ahead of time to um, think about these these things, we would be able to be better off and make better decisions and perhaps quicker decisions during those times and then commit to those decisions. Um, but yeah, some of the most difficult decisions are the ones that we have to make in the face of adversity. So if you prepare for that adversity, you'll be better off if you learn to anticipate issues or events by identifying patterns um, and taking the time to scenario plan. That can help immensely. So for example, in a business, you can uh, take the time to study your industry study your competition, study your, your own organization, and really just like schedule the time to, to do these things and, and understand um, how you play out in, in the overall game and, and then, you know, protect these times of, of research um, so you can actually develop your, your points thoroughly. Um, then look for trends and identify the triggers of different things. Um, and uh, ultimately, as we said, scenario plan for the biggest problems that could come up. This will also enable you to move faster when the time comes, uh, and you can even prepare by perhaps getting uh, pre-approval pre for some of these things that saying, okay, if this were to happen, then we can act in this way. 
It also overall will improve your adaptability to different scenarios because you've taken the time to think about just different scenarios before and how you could go about them. And remember here, the, the key thing is that uh, re in reality, adversity will happen. And so the best thing you can do is to think about it in advance. And my final tip for everybody is just to create a, a routine, uh, develop habits um, that can help you be disciplined in making good decisions. So whenever you are coming up against uh, bigger decisions in life, once you uh, have developed these habits, because I know it's, it's a lot to process, but you can use these tools more naturally and in less time. And I did take some of uh, these points from Scott Mouts. If you want to look him up at scottmouts.com, that's S-C-O-T-T-M-A-U-T-Z.com. Um, and it seems like he has other courses there that, um, or things that you can learn from. So that's really what I wanted to speak about today. Uh, I know I've said um, that I'm going to speak about topics like relationships um, and I do want to think, talk about that, but you know, some of these topics, uh, there's just so many implications with it and, and things, how they interact together. So, um, we will discuss them later on. Uh, for now, I want to continue to, to do the key principles, uh, just because I think that these can also greatly help people. Um, and in the next, um, episode, we will be discussing, uh, about, attitude which has to do with um you know gratefulness and patience and how they all interact together to create uh greater opportunities for someone to advance and actually um live a better life so with that said i hope this serves you serves you well <laughs> and uh i look forward to connecting again soon thanks